0: Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world, one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. All right. Thank you, Ross. Yeah, so it's good to be with you. For those who don't know, my name is Jeremy Shelley. I'm the family life pastor here at Quest, and and it's a a privilege, a, a, a blessing to be able to share with you this morning. I do want to take a moment and say a big hearty thank you, because... There's been something that's changed here at church recently that I'm incredibly excited about. I don't know if you've been aware in the past, but there has been a lot of sound in this auditorium. Creaks and, you know, all kinds of pops and all kinds of noises coming from the roof. Have you guys ever paid attention or noticed that stuff? Well, let's be real quiet right now for a moment. The roof is fixed, and I am excited because it... Oh, it feels like, you know, the building's not going to fall down. That's great. So, well, today we're, we're continuing our series called Intentional, and, and we're, we're talking about choosing to do things on purpose. I, I've enjoyed this series for a couple of reasons. One, I believe this is not only deeply spiritual stuff, but it's also incredibly practical, things that we can apply to our lives immediately and, and as they do as we apply them to our lives, it sends ripples out into our community to affect change and 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 that's exciting. That's really exciting. When when we start to to live out a simple life, or we live a life of self-control, or of encouragement for one another, or seeking reconciliation, that stuff pours out of this place into Westerville and to New Albany and to your neighborhoods, and it makes change, and that's exciting. And, And I'll tell you, you know, there have been many different seasons for our church. We've, we've been in and out of a lot of different times. And, and I'm excited for us as a community to enter into a, a new season of deep spiritual growth, of, of spiritual maturity and encouragement of, of, of peace and, and living close to Jesus in his presence. And, and I'm a kind of guy that, that doesn't like a lot of flair. I don't like big, you know, extravagant things or pomp or circumstance. I personally am a person that wants our church to really experience a new season of deep connection with our Savior. And that's why I'm, I'm enjoying this series because I think it's bringing us there one step at a time, coming closer to him. And another reason that I've enjoyed this series is, is tied to the other. Much of what we've talked about is something that I was actually reading about in another book, a book by John Tyson called The Intentional Father. And these are things that, especially in terms of what I've been preaching, these are things that, that these ideas have been carrying over into, into these, this sermon series, ideas of courage and self-control, wisdom and justice and encouragement. These are things that I want to see in my family and for my kids and, and also things that I want to see in your families and in your community. And, 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 I, and I think that when we choose to, to live an intentional life, that's one of the first steps in how we move on into new phase of living or a new season. And so I'm excited for this. And so today as we dig into the Word of God, I hope that you see the same pattern happening. Or it's recognition that it's time for a new thing, a new season, and, and this marked characteristic that comes with knowing when to move on into something new, that is wisdom. That wisdom is what leads that. The choice to step into a new season must be saturated with good judgment and perception. And this is because oftentimes when when we come into something new, we're bringing people along with us and we want to all be together with that for it to be effective. And you may be thinking... Jeremy, what the heck are you talking about? What are you about to bring us into? Maybe we're not sure we want to go along with you. I'm not talking about anything crazy. There's not a dramatic shift here at Quest, but really just one of us drawing closer to Christ as a community and allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts and minds. It's something, of course, that we've always been doing, but I am hoping to see this new season where it's is—it's vibrant and real of us soaking up his teaching and enjoying his, his presence and peace and, and tranquility. And, and, and I think we get there by being intentional in our choices. So I want you to listen to this story today that's found in Acts. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to the book of Acts. We're going to primarily be in chapter six and seven. But I want you to, I want you to listen to this story and, and pay attention to the, the wise subtleties of this shift and see how significant of a change was created in the lives of all of the people who had ears to hear the message that we're going to read about today. So We're going to be focusing in on the life of Stephen. I don't know if you're familiar with him. We first read about him in Acts chapter 6, and then he's gone after Acts 7. And so it's kind of this, this short little blip. But he was a man who was considered wise by everyone around him. He came onto the scene in Acts chapter 6, because the church, one of the early first churches where the apostles were leading, they discovered there was a problem that was coming up. And the problem was about a distribution of resources. And so there weren't enough people to to give away all of the resources of the church to those who were in need. And so the the apostles, the 12 apostles, decided to come together and choose people. And this is where we join with Stephen. Now, I want to make a little sidebar here. This is how practical the Bible is. You know, I think a lot of times when, when we think about the Bible, we, we think it's a beautiful story of God and his people and this this journey that they've been on since creation all the way through to the end of time, into new creation and eternal life. But there's also these very practical moments that help the church engage with, with how to deal with certain things like a lack of resourcing or the ability to to have people to distribute those resources and and so this is this is a moment in in the life of the early church where as i said the apostles came together with the rest of the church they chose seven people to be volunteers and to lead this distribution of resources and and so you know like whenever you hear ross or myself come up here and ask for resources hey we're just modeling what was put out before us and we need your help okay that <laughs> no, we we really do but i'm kind of making a joke out of it so it was a weak laugh that's better thank you i appreciate that so stephen stephen is one of the one of the seven volunteers that was led to care for the distribution of the church's resources. And, and among those, Stephen, and, and this is ultimately where we begin his, his story, we see that Stephen was, was full of wisdom, he was full of grace, he was full of faith and, 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 and power, and his ministry expanded significantly beyond just this distribution. So let me, let me ground us a little bit in the story of his life so we can begin to see more of who he is. This is. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 6 verses 8 through 11. Always I encourage you to, if you have your Bibles to open them up and to follow along in there with me. Highlight verses that, you, that jump out to you. If you don't have your, your Bibles that's okay. The words are going to be here on the screen for everyone to read. Verse 8 says, now Stephen a man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. An opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of the Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So we have these guys. This is these are people that they're they're watching Stephen minister at the synagogue. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's he's performing signs and wonders. And and, and they decided they didn't like that. And so they they started to lie about him in order to get him in trouble, which is ultimately going to cost him his life. Now. If you're paying attention, this sounds very familiar to many other stories of Jesus you find in the Gospels where where they didn't like what he was teaching and they got him in trouble. So Stephen performing great signs and wonders at the synagogue, and, and I, I don't know if you've ever been around someone who is uh, really gifted at uh, doing the work of God. It's 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 kind of interesting, like when you listen to them and they speak with wisdom or the freedom that they have to move in the spirit, It's a re- it's refreshing to be around those people, and I know whenever I'm in a presence of someone like that, I want to be around them as much as I can. I want to get some of that too, and What's also I think is encouraging is when when we realize that those people, those men and women who are gifted in those ways, they aren't really anyone special, right? you know these are people that are just- imp- and i don't mean just empowered, but they're empowered by God and by the Holy Spirit to do his work and, and and if we consider all that's going on, then we realize that that anyone, anyone in God's creation is capable to be used. For his purposes. Now, here at Quest, and in the Vineyard, we like to say it this way, that, that everybody gets to play. We believe that anyone can do the work of the kingdom. None of us are elite or superstar leaders. We're all just commissioned as men and women and children of every background to do the work of Jesus. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Amen? Everybody gets to play. I, I was recently at the National Conference for Vineyard Churches with ross, and I had this interesting experience where i was I was with a guy who was very gifted in in just flowing with the spirit and I was, I was listening to him talk. There was nothing really special about what he was saying at that moment, but the Holy Spirit was stirring in the conversation that we were having, and someone else was visibly moved and this man. As as he saw this person visibly moved by the holy spirit began to pray for them that the holy spirit would do more in their life He was he just kept saying more holy spirit more work for this person And ultimately this little conversation that we were having became this holy circle of transformation There on the sidewalk you know, it was it was it was the work of the Holy Spirit moving through a person who was willing to be used. It was really cool to to be able to to see it and be a part of it. But for me personally, what was more powerful what was the work of the Holy Spirit that was going on inside of me and in my life at the time. You see, as, as I watch this, I I, I I was looking in and 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 I'm looking at who God is using, and and I thought, you know. What's stopping me from doing this? I love the Lord. I want to be used by the Holy Spirit. And the truth is that I can. You know, as followers of Jesus, we enter into a priesthood of believers. We become people who get the chance to do the work of God. He allows us to do the stuff. That's another phrase that, that you'll hear often in the vineyard. If you're familiar with the vineyard, we, we talk often about doing the stuff, the stuff of God. Those are the, the miracles and the signs and the wonders. And, and this is also what Stephen was doing there at the synagogue. And, and as, as his followers, as priests in his kingdom, right? We can participate as God's ministers too, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we have to be wise about it. We have to be winsome and loving and caring. And let let me say this. This isn't a qualification for when it can happen. Because... This moment that I was referring to at this, this Vineyard National Conference, a little context for you to understand. We were gathered together with about 1,500 other people who had set aside a week of their year to come and, and dive deep into the things of the Association of Vineyard Churches and, and to see what was going on in this, in the up, upcoming season with them. And so for us to have this interaction in front of, you know, relative strangers, that wasn't weird. We were all there for the same purpose. You know, it wasn't strange for us to have this conversation on the sidewalk outside. And in fact, much of the the content of the conversation that we were having was about how we can present the work of the Holy Spirit in a context where it may not be normal, but we do it in a way that doesn't make it seem weird or strange. And we do it by using the wisdom and the discernment of God in order to create a a naturally supernatural experience with him essentially how to wisely engage with the powerful work of God with people who've never met him and, and this is really what we see in this story of Stephen so we're going to we're going to come back to this to this story here so Stephen's doing the work of God supernatural work of God at the synagogue not necessarily a natural place for this to happen and so it's important for us to to pay attention to what this means. You know, the full context of everything that's going on. Is Stephen is has been accused of speaking against the temple and against the law of God. And these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, are the ones who are who are making these accusations against him. Which, by the way, um, the Sanhedrin has the power and authority to have Stephen executed. This is the same thing that we see in the life of christ at the end of his life you know Um, in fact this is uh what what we see with stephen is almost a beat for beat example of what jesus did with a couple of exceptions of course you know stephen's not jesus right jesus had prophecies about how the end of his life was going to be and stephen didn't um and jesus's trial quite frankly probably would have gone a whole lot more like stephen's if he was not the son of god and if those prophecies didn't exist so we have the Sanhedrin that's, that's there trying to kill Stephen. And, um, and I, I'm only pointing some of this out to highlight the difference between Jesus as the son of God and his true mission and the fact that Stephen is another minister of Jesus continuing to do the work of Jesus. Stephen was partnering with God in the work that God was doing there in that moment. And and I want to mention how significant this moment is. The the author of Acts, Luke, he gives this account more attention than any other in this book. In fact, this speech, Stephen's speech that he gives in chapter 7, is the longest recorded speech in the entire book of Acts. So what we're reading about is this hinge point in the history of the church, Uh, The speech draws the distinction between Christianity, those who are following Jesus and following his ways, and Judaism. He's separating those two things as different religions. And, And so here's where the wisdom of Stephen comes in. He knows that it's time for a new season for the church. He knows that the time of the physical temple is gone. And that the work that, that God was doing through him and the words that he was saying were words that the new life with Jesus had no longer had anything to do with a building, but with the actual body of Christ. You know, Jesus said that he was going to tear down the temple and in three days rebuild it in the body of christ we find that in mark chapter 14 paul later preaches too that our bodies as followers of jesus our bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in us whom we have received from god that we are not our own but that we were bought with a price therefore that we need to honor our honor god with our bodies so Stephen is making a distinction that the, that the temple of old, of Judaism, is gone. But now the temple of new, the body of Christ, his followers, is where God resides, where the Holy Spirit resides. And ultimately, these charges against Stephen that, that, that kill him are, are that he's preaching against this holy place, the temple, as well as he's preaching against the law. And Stephen's response is not a defense in any way he 's not defending himself instead he 's realigning the understanding of what true worship of God is, and to speak to his accusers in a way that they will fully understand god 's intent and so Stephen makes three major claims about israel 's history remember he 's speaking to the sanhedrin these are these are Hebrew scholars, they know full well the, the history of, of the Israelites, of the people of God. And so Stephen marks these, these moments in the history to make his point come out. We're going to read the speech part of it in a minute. So he says, he says um, these are the points that he makes. One, that God's work is not confined to a specific location. He says, two, that worshiping God is not limited to or confined to the temple in Jerusalem. And three, that, that Jews have regularly rejected the representatives of God. And these are things that, that these the Sanhedrin would have known about, but he wants to highlight them. And so we're going to read some of this, just this really quick portion of it, so you can see all of, all of his, like, in part of his speech where all of these things are highlighted. And so... Stephen, this is him giving a response to the charges that were made against him. We find this in Acts chapter um, 7, verses 30 through 40. The words will be on the screen here. So Stephen is saying, Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. This is significant, right? Because, Because God came to Moses in the wilderness, not in Israel. When Moses saw it, He was amazed at the sight and he drew near to look and there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. You guys probably are familiar with the story. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look that the Lord said, take off the sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing in the wilderness, not in Jerusalem, is holy ground. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groaning. I've come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, who they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Once again, right? This is Stephen reminding the Jewish leaders that there's a history of rejecting God's ministers. And you can see that Stephen is almost putting himself into the shoes of Moses in that moment. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with your fathers. And he received living oracles uh, to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside in their hearts. They turned to Egypt saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. There's more to the speech of Stephen, but this section highlights these three major themes, right? God is not limited where He can work. Worship does not only take place in Jerusalem at the temple, and that there's a historic record of the Jews rejecting God's agents. And, they, and And these these things they 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 seem obvious to us sitting here in a church in Westerville, Ohio, you know, USA, 2021, right? You know, but we have to consider that that these are. Only obvious to us because Stephen had the boldness, the courage, and the wisdom to make this speech before the Sanhedrin. See, if he had not, then then who knows what the trajectory uh, of the early church would have been. Who knows how long it would have taken for the, the separation of Christianity and, and Judaism to take. I mean, this was a pivotal moment for the church. Stephen was blazing new trails for the gospel. The speech pushed the opportunity for world missions to even exist. He was saying the gospel is not limited to Israel. It's been said of Stephen actually that in this moment with this speech that he freed Christianity from the constraints of the temple and therefore Judaism, which has huge impacts on us. And Stephen, he was displaying his wisdom in this moment and how he spoke and the words that he chose. You know, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough for us to consider that he was winsome. You know, he was wise in, in, in how he challenged the Sanhedrin how he challenged the thinking of judaism by using its own history to dismantle the charges that were against him i mean that was clearly brilliant and you may think how is stephen considered winsome if he got killed after this which by the way if you keep reading he gets stoned you might think well how is that winsome he didn't seem to bring them along with him right (laughs) Stoned, by the way with rocks like big stones not never mind um Stephen, <laughs> so how is he winsome? How is he winsome? Well, it was by Stephen's faith, by his boldness, that ultimately led the way for others to continue this work. He led the way for you and me to be ministers of Jesus today. And so, so we have to figure out the same way that he did how we can be winsome ministers for God. This is the task that we have as contemporary Christians. It's it's not, not to speak exactly as Stephen did. He was speaking to, to Hebrew scholars. He was addressing this Jewish crowd. And so he contextualized the message to them to help them to understand ultimately what he was saying. So our aim must be to make the gospel relevant to our communities without losing or compromising the gospel itself. How can we copy from Stephen his godly wisdom that kept him centered and focused as he was dealing with his accusers and I, I think this is a really interesting part of the story because Stephen was being accused it was a hostile moment and, and and in this moment Stephen was being a radical he was he was leading a significant shift of of one of the dominant religions at the time right and um, but As a radical, he was not a brutal radical. He was not bombastic. He was not hurtful. He spoke truth and allowed that truth to convict rather than being an accuser himself. Instead, and and I would love to advocate for this, for us to live as wise and and as biblically radical as Stephen lived. This is what I mean. Stephen's demeanor and his tone significantly contrasted that of his accuser's. While they were making accusations, we read about this in in chapter 6, verse 15. While they're making those accusations, he had the face of an angel. When people were furious with him, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and had a clear vision of Christ. That comes from chapter 17, verses 54 and 55. And then finally... During his execution, as his body is literally being broken, as they were stoning him, just like Christ before him, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin of murder against them. It's chapter 7, verse 60. Now, I pray that none of us, have to follow the same course that, that Stephen's on here. I don't want us to be radicals like Stephen or have to experience anything like that. I'm sure you guys are with me, right? None of you want that either. All of you want it. All right, all right. Stand up if you want to be like Stephen and we'll pray a blessing over you and go from this place. That's good. No, okay. Yeah, yeah no, no. I. I want us though... When we face accusers and we face accusers all the time as followers of jesus the accusations they, they, they may be different But but Christlike wisdom will lead us to be like stephen To be winsome like stephen and 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 it's true and and I think we 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 see this frequently Radicals today often communicate their message with anger Especially to people or groups that that they are in opposition to or with right and our goal is as followers of Jesus in these moments as we communicate the truth of God should be to reflect the holiness and the love of God as well and, and to be fair I, I, don't, I don't envy Stephen here I mean he was held to an incredibly high standard of understanding the scripture and the truth and, and I know personally that I'm I'm a dim reflection of Christ and what I mean by that is that that I don't I don't Live up to to the standard of Christianity that is necessarily put forth in the Bible, and, I, and I'm, you know, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Of course, I, th- I think everyone might understand that. But the truth is that that all of us, as followers of Jesus, there is some hypocrisy in, in our lives. Not because we want it to be, but because it's it's really hard. For us to, to measure up to, to the call that Christ has on our lives. We're in this process of transformation. And it's something that, that happens one step at a time. And, and we have to keep moving forward and, and forward each step of the way. Which is why I love this series. That, that we become intentional about choosing the things of God over the things of the world. And I think there's some ways that we can do this that can help us, that can that can help us to make great strides in this process of transformation and becoming like God. And I think the first is that we have to begin with the story of God. We, we have to know that, that the word was given to us that tells us about who God is and what his character is. How can then We reflect the image of God if we barely even know who he is. And you might think this is a strange place to start. This is really basic, Jeremy. Why are you telling us just to read our Bibles? And the truth is that um, I think it's a very important place for us to be. We need to spend as much time as we can at the foot of the cross meditating on His Word and meditating on Christ. But the truth about our culture and our society of 2021 is that most of us don't spend this kind of time in our lives. We are, we are living in a biblically illiterate world. As followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to turn that around, to change it. And, and, and I think if you reflect on your own life, you might discover... You might honestly realize or recognize that, that you don't know the story of God as well as you think you might. Or maybe you don't spend as much time in it with Him. We've got to be a student of who God is, student of His Word. We've also, though, got to be a student of culture. It's vital to know who we are ministering to and, and what guides their thinking. It's, it, and it's possible. It is possible for us to be in the world but not of the world. Did you know that? Is, it, is that a thing that is not just okay? Um, we can observe the things going on around us, right? And not participate in them. By the way, I, I think not everything in our culture is bad. And when we observe those things that are a departure from the will of God for our lives, we can choose to say no to those things. This is this helpful for us as we are even creating an own, our own litmus test of, of if we're living in and by the will of God. It's, it's an opportunity for us to be distinctive as well in our lives as Christ. And when we put these two things together, studying the Word of God and studying who God is and studying culture, it, that's what helps us to be wise. We're, we have to allow Scripture to to speak penetratingly to our culture. Um, I've been reading a book by uh, Robert Mulholland. He's a professor at Asbury Seminary. Uh, He was one of my professors when I was there and he wrote this book invitation to a journey and he, he discusses the idea that our faith and the transformation that comes from our faith is ultimately for Christ for his glory, but it's also for the sake of others. Meaning that that when we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, to transform our minds, to transform our behavior, that God gets the glory. But we do it so that people around us may also catch a glimpse of Jesus and what it means to be one of his followers. So in in essence, we become like Christ for the sake of others. This is um, what we see in Stephen. This is what we saw in Jesus that that. They gave up their lives so that others might experience the freedom that comes with Christ. Moholland says it this way. He says, Christ is the image of one who gave himself totally, completely, absolutely, unconditionally for others. And this is the direction in which the Spirit of God moves us toward wholeness. I know that's a high standard to achieve but it's the target that we have. And what that means is is if there's a place in our lives that's not conformed to, to the way of Christ, to the image of Christ, then that's a place where we are unable to be who God wants us to be for the sake of others. We're limited then by the areas of our lives that are unlike Christ. Mulholland, he goes on to explain that this is a good litmus test for any believer to see how they, how they interact with other people around them. And I found it interesting as I was preparing you know, for this message that the list that Mulholland gave sounded much like what we read about Stephen in his last few moments on earth. He, Mulholland asked this, are you more loving? Are you more compassionate, more patient, more understanding, more caring, more giving, or more forgiving than you were a year ago? There's a temptation, I think, to think that our spiritual growth is something that only happens in the quiet and private moments of our lives. But I don't think there's any truth to that. We witness our growth and the fruits of our growth as we interact with others. And if you're not seeing it there, then you're not seeing it, period. This is the place where we're exposed, the place where we see if we're behaving like Christ or if we're merely thinking about it or pondering it. When the formation of our spiritual lives truly begins to take root, we'll notice it in how we interact with others. Spiritual transformation is something that takes place in the midst of our relationships. And we have to pay attention to who we are when we're around others. You and I are, are as followers of Jesus We have to be thinking about our our transformation into the likeness of Christ as something that is occurring for the sake of others. And I know that there's some people who believe uh, that we choose to follow Jesus for our own security. But that's clearly not the good news that Jesus preached about. He lived so that others might live, and he died so that others might experience eternal life in relationship with him. Stephen made his final speech on the planet So that the world beyond Jerusalem could know about Jesus. And we're the recipients of his suffering. And now we've been given the mantle to go and to do the same as Christ, the same as Stephen. So let us go from here. Let us reflect the image of Christ for the sake of others. Let's do it in a way that is wise and winsome. Let's be bold about it, but let's be smart about it. We're going to take a moment, um, we're going to worship with a final song, uh, but I want, to, I want to challenge you this morning. Um, If you've been stirred by the holy spirit if you've if you felt the holy spirit nudging you this morning to to say To to step into more to step into a new season of life I want to encourage you to to i'm going to be standing down here At the foot of the stage here if you have felt a stir of the holy spirit this morning I want to encourage you to come down to me I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you and over that move of the holy spirit If not, that's okay I encourage you just to continue to worship and, and, and to, to honor God with your worship. So let's, let's all stand together now. I'm going to close us with a word of prayer. And then we'll continue to worship. Well, come Holy Spirit. It is so good that you're not done with us. That though there are many places of our lives that aren't (laughs) a reflection, a true reflection of who you are, you're okay with that. You long to be with us in relationship. You long for us to know more about you. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to that, that we'd want to take one step further in this relationship with you so that we can bring glory to you and we can affect the kingdom of God and expand it so that more people can see you and experience you. So Lord, let our lives be lived out in wisdom, winsomely, for your sake and for the sake of others. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.